I'm Cameron DeVasher. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Lesson 13, Pastor Howard, is all about the second half of our study yes. of Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, and known more uh, familiarly as the armor of God. We have arrived right. at that lesson where we're going to talk about, well... So last week we talked, or la- last yeah. lesson, it was kind yeah. of the military imagery in general, yep. but we're zeroing in on actually the... the yes, and the title is Waging Peace. So it's got a kind of a mixed metaphor of an, a warrior mm-hmm. and a peacemaker, and all of it's going to be encapsulated in the imagery of the armament, so we're going right. to dive in. But before we do, could you start us off with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the testimony of your word, and again, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, to give us understanding in spiritual things. We pray you would direct our minds and our conversation here as we share these talking points, and then, Lord, also those of our teachers and those who will be studying this lesson, that we all may gain the blessing you intended for us to be faithful to stand in these last days. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as we brought out last week, we have the exact same study focus passage from Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. This week, it's the exact same passage. So we're two weeks into this lesson. But as we mentioned, last week was a general overview, the military imagery introduction. This time, we're going to get into the I don't know, Cameron. I saw some other six, what did you say, 10 to 20? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought I saw you color outside the lines a little bit, but I think you stayed within them. Well, to be clear, we're going to be all over the scripture, (laughs) Old Testament, New Testament, Ephesians, and other writings of Paul. Amen. But uh, there's some, I really was blessed by this week's lesson and some things that were not necessarily drawn out explicitly, but kind of touched on in the lesson that when you follow that rabbit trail, like, whoa, that's a really... But lo and behold, they were in the Bible. Exactly. And we're going to bring (laughs) that to you this morning. Which is our lesson book for Sabbath school. (laughs) Amen. So why don't you share with us our talking points? All right. Talking point number one. The armor of God was first worn by Christ. Uh, That's touched on in Monday's lesson, but it's going to be all in the scriptures that we talked Mm -hmm. about. So we're going to draw that out in a minute. It's going to be great. Talking point number two. We need the whole armor of God. Not just some of it. We need all of it. And that's kind of woven all through Sabbath, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, the whole lesson. And then finally, the armor illustration is descriptive, but not exhaustive. Okay, so we're going to talk about why the armaments are listed are arranged the way they are, or what do they even illustrate in the Christian life, and what can we draw out of them for life application. So, All right. anyway, Fantastic. talking point number one, I want to get to this one. I'm really excited about this. The armor of God was first worn by Christ. Now, what started me down this, this trail, because it is mentioned mm-hmm. in this week's lesson, but only kind of tangentially, just kind yes. of offhandedly. And I was like, whoa, whoa, that's a really interesting point. So, we're going to go back to Isaiah. Uh, chapter 52, and then chapter 59. Uh, and why don't you read 52, if you have it, verses 6 and 7, and see where sure. Paul draws some of the language from. Isaiah 52, verse 6, Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, 
who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Mm. Now remember the perspective here, verse 6, God is speaking about how the people are going to know him and know his name, Mm -hmm. and he's going to send good news, right? And he talks about how the feet are beautiful, who brings that message of gospel peace. Now, Isaiah chapter 59, while you're in the reading mode, why don't you read verses 16 and 17 of this? Okay, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Now, you put these two passages together, and you find some interesting similarities. Both of them talk about God's perspective on the human condition, on his people. And he looks down and he says, oh, I need to reveal myself. I'm going to send good news. I'm going to send a messenger. In Isaiah 59, he looks down. There's no intercessor. I need to send someone. And and it says that he himself is going to do this. He put on the breastplate of righteousness. He put on the helmet of salvation. His And lo and behold, those are the very elements that Paul draws from in Ephesians chapter 6 when he talks about what we should wear. Mm -hmm. So the thought really hit me, and I don't know, it's not like, clearly it wasn't my thought. I go to the SDA Bible commentary, they're there, the lesson brought Mm -hmm. it out. I just don't know why I hadn't thought of it before. But this armament of God, all these pieces of military imagery, clothing, are not just something that Paul conjured up to describe the Christian life, but they're actually the pieces the Bible already described to talk about Christ's ministry when he came as what that not just an incarnate sacrifice, but he came on a mission as a right. warrior from God to defeat the devil, right? Absolutely. So I believe that here that Paul is drawing strongly and clearly from Isaiah's imagery about Christ's mission. For instance, SDA Bible Commentary, Volume mm-hmm. 4, page 311, says, Isaiah pictures Christ as an armed warrior entering into the struggle for man's salvation. This is war, but the conflict is not fought with carnal weapons. And commenting on that, why don't you read Monday, paragraph 3 from the quarterly. Sure. Like the belt of truth, it is of divine origin. And this is speaking of the breastplate of righteousness. Yes. Time, yeah. Being part of the armor of Yahweh in his role as a divine warrior. Right. And so... The lesson touched on that is like, hey, this one was from, and it dawned on me, well, all of them are actually from there, right? Mm-hmm. And the point that I'm trying to draw out is that the armor of Christ, that he, the armor of God that Christ bids us to wear in Ephesians 6, is the very armament that he wore in his struggle against Satan. So he's already worn it. He's already mm-hmm. defeated Satan in it. Now he's gone back to do his work of intercession. He bequeaths it to us and he says, this is what you need. I've already beat him in this. So it's not really shiny and new. No armor. I guess it could have been polished since, but it was. It's used. It's used. It's a hand me down. Yes, and that's a great point. That the probably armor, the, <laughs> probably the best hand me down you'll ever get. That's right. But the armor of God is a hand me down from yeah. Christ, and He says, "I've already won. You take mm. it from here." And I think that's you a know that's interesting thought. because if you contrast that with Saul, you remember Saul wanted to give David his armor. Yes. Only his armor hadn't won any battles. Like Saul's <laughs> on the on the and David comes. I mean, David had to be thinking, "Wait a minute, this isn't doing you any good. The giant's still out there, undefeated." Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so this is, you know, in contrast, this this armor has succeeded yes. in victory in battle. Absolutely. So it's t- it's t- battle tested and it's improved. So whereas David might not have wanted to take Saul's armor, we certainly want to take this. A hundred percent. I couldn't proven. help. I didn't put it in this talking point. So you just brought it up here. Uh, we hadn't talked about that before, but that was the thought that was going through my mind. Is like, where else have we seen an image of someone? giving somebody else's armor and going to battle. But I was like, well, we can't bring yeah. that one out because it didn't work. But this is a different... Also, it dawned on me is that 
in that same battle, right. Goliath had on the helmet of salvation and he took it off. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't I don't want to draw too much on those, but it's a fun thing to think about that Christ first wore this armament mm-hmm. in Isaiah and now in Ephesians we're told to wear it for success. I think yes. that's awesome. Uh, it is awesome. Anyway. So let's... so the following to the point number two. Yeah. We need the whole like uh, it's not going to be good to try to get a discount. Say, I think I'll get away with just the breastplate or, you know, like Goliath. Well, I don't need this helmet. Exactly. Uh, yes, you do. You need the whole thing. And so and maybe that Goliath is a good transition into every piece because it, the re- passage repeated. Let's go to Ephesians 6 and see what the passage says. I don't want to just talk about Ephesians 6. Let's actually read it a little bit here. Um, why don't you read verses 10 and 11, and then I'll read 13 to 17. Okay. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay. And, well, the point I was going to draw is also verse 13. Therefore, take up, again, the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand. And it lists off what those pieces are. We won't go through them exhaustively now, but stand, therefore, having girded with the uh, belt of truth around your waist. And it goes on and on. The... The point is repeatedly brought up here. Finally, brother, and the end of this whole message. we do that for sake of time. I certainly would read the passage in sure, class. Sure, sure. Yeah, Sometimes we're, we're literally we on a clock because here. We, yeah. Yeah. But if you had a 45, 50-minute class, read the, read the passage for sure. But what I wanted to bring out is here in the concluding part of Ephesians, he says, all right, guys, finally, here's what you need. And he lists off the spiritual mm-hmm. armament. And twice, he says, after to be strong in the Lord and his power... Mm-hmm. Put on the whole armor of God. Verse 13. Put on the whole armor of God. So what he's about to list off are not helpful tools that you might need. It's not a suggested. This is not suggested uh, attire for battle. Like, you might try this. Exactly. You you, could use a sword. Here's a helmet. You could get around to it. If you're not too busy, no, you need this. All of it. The implication I'm getting from this is that why would he call out the word whole twice when he's about to list them off, is that if not that every piece is necessary if Mm -hmm. we're going to have success. The implication is that if you don't put on that belt of truth, but you think you've got the helmet of salvation, you're not fully clad and you're not going to be able to stand. You have to imagine that there have been soldiers throughout history who thought, I don't need this piece. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) there have to be tragic stories Mm -hmm. of... I mean, wouldn't you think, like, that, that the fact that Paul brings it up almost implies that, you know, he's seen this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Trying to be a half-off Christian. And I, and I say that because, sense, yeah. well, I say that because we do the same thing all the time today. I'm not thinking about armor, but you say, I don't need that uh, mm. today. I'll, I'll just I'll just use this instead. I don't need my whole whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I think that there's a point that it's, it's dawning when it's even deeper than I need it or I don't. It's not possible to take it as an optional list. Mm. Because, like, for instance, right. I was thinking as we were going through this, why would he emphasize the whole mm-hmm. armor and list off several things? Well, Paul's also the one who came up with the illustration of the fruit of the Spirit, yes. right? And he didn't say the fruits, plural, of right. the Spirit are these. He says the fruit is this, and he starts listing them off. Piece by, mm-hmm. The idea, you can't have the blueberry of faith without the, you know, the, the strawberry of self-control yeah. or something. You, when you get... The f- when you get the spirit, you get everything the spirit brings, which is going to develop you know, in you the whole character. I probably shouldn't say this, but... <laughs> Here uh, we go. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting, the blueberry of faith and the strawberry of what a self-control you yeah. said. 
I run into a lot of Seventh Day Adventists who are like, yeah, I can't, I, I, I just, I can't be around such and such a food, or I can't do because I have no self control. That is a shameful admission for any Christian to make. Mm. I mean, granted, we have weaknesses, mm-hmm. but self control is a fruit of, of the of the spirit, yeah. and it's not. When I say a fruit, and that's how we we right. tend to compartmentalize and say, well, I have the other ones. Well, but I got my faith, but I no, don't have you the, don't have the other ones. Yeah. you have the fruit of the spirit, singular, right. or you don't. And so, where there might be room for growth, at the same time, God forbid that we would not, we would be lacking, right, in the fruit of the spirit as a component, and so. Like exactly. You're making that direct that connection with the armor of God as well. Well, and both of them are are things given to us by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So how in the world could we have some of it but not another part of it? It just doesn't make any sense because. Mm-hmm. And you've brought this point out about when it comes to justification, right? Because the fruit right? of the Spirit is. The spirit. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's not like the spirit is... I can't take a piece like, of the spirit. It's like, I'll just take this piece of you. Right. If you have the spirit, you have the fruit of having the spirit. That's exactly my point. When we accept Christ and receive the Holy Spirit, we get everything that mm-hmm. he offers, not just some things. It's like, well, I got a... I don't really have right. all the spirit. There isn't a partial spirit. You either... It's binary. You're either in Christ or you're mm-hmm. not. You know, abide in me or you're out. Right. And in Second Corinthians, you know, let's just look up a passage yes. real quick. Uh, why don't you look up Second Corinthians 5... Verse 17, sure. and I'll flip back to Ephesians 4, 15. We'll read a couple passages that kind of speak to this. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, mm-hmm. if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There is all things. If you're in Christ, you are a whole new creation. Mm. Everything is remade new. Not like, well, I got converted, but I only got faith. I didn't get yeah. this. You, you, that's not even an option, right? And Ephesians earlier in verse chapter 4, verse 15, talks about speaking the truth in love. We may grow up in all mm. things mm-hmm. into him who is the head, Christ. So the the goal of the Christian life is not to become closer to Jesus, though that's what our daily experience is, when we get Christ, we become, we start to become in all we, areas we like him. We receive the righteousness of Christ. Yes. And, and uh, I made a little note here, Thoughts from Mental Blessings, page 18. Mm. Ellen White says, we receive righteousness by receiving him. Yes. And, and it, it's funny, even in the Adventist Church, we talk sometimes about righteousness as a thing we get. Mm. It's this thing I get from Christ. No, it's Christ. It is Christ. And I, the thing <laughs> I get is him. We receive righteousness by receiving him. And when we receive him, we have the righteousness of Christ. Yes. It's not apart from him. It doesn't exist apart from him. Well, this goes into our discussions point. oftentimes on salvation and assurance. Like, well, I want to be assured of my salvation as though it's a separate thing. When yeah. you have the Savior, you have salvation because yes. he's saving. That's, That's right. what he does, right? Uh, Sister White in uh, My Life Today on page 309 says, It is not safe for us when we, when going into battle to cast away our weapons. It is then we need to be equipped with the whole armor of God. Every piece is essential. Mm-hmm. So there's not a flat spot in the armor. You either get it all or nothing. Absolutely. And finally, talking to point number three, the armor illustration is descriptive but not exhaustive, right? We cannot, mm. I don't want to overextend the analogy and try to squeeze everything about faith or the sword of the spirit or righteousness or the salvation that Christ offers into an analogy about a helmet or a shoe mm-hmm. or a sword because it's a helpful imagery but it's not like um I, I really well, we were talking yeah. about how the lesson describes the shoe and, it, and mm-hmm. it compares to historically we know that Roman military shoes had these spikes on them and everything else. Right. and as we were talking about it we were like well different shoes have different purposes so, for example, today golf shoes have spikes on them, but you don't find those on a running shoe or a trail <laughs> shoe. Yeah. So different shoes. 
And so different shoes have different purposes. And so you can overthink the analogy. I would like to think that the shoe that comes with this armor of God is a cross trainer. Yeah. <laughs> right? It does everything. Well, I, for instance, let's talk about that. Like mm-hmm. on Tuesday's paragraph one, it says a Roman soldier preparing for battle would tie on a pair of sturdy military sandals. Mm-hmm. We're all good with that. But then it describes them even more. A multi-layered sole featured rugged hobnails helping the soldier hold his ground and stand. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. But let me ask you a question. In reading Ephesians chapter 6, would the common reader know that the shoe has a hobnail that digs into the ground for standing? Mm-hmm. Or, in the context, it talks about the gospel of peace. Is it for standing still, or is it a shoe for going Running. far? Right. And Well, yes and no. So I, I wouldn't want to tie everything about our gospel shoes to... Well, when you go back to the Isaiah text we read, and that blessed yeah. are the feet of him... This is a person who's running with a message. Right. So that's that's different than digging in the ground. Not that they don't both have their place, but... But in running with a message, yes. we stand against the devil. So what mm-hmm. I'm saying is I don't want to overextend and try to wring out too much the illustration, but I think that we would get lost in the trees without seeing the whole forest mm-hmm. view. Yeah. That the passage lists six pieces of armor in four verses. So mm-hmm. clearly it's not exhaustive, right? The belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness are in verse 14. Then we have the shoes of the gospel of peace in verse 15 the shield of faith in verse 16, and finally the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. In my simple mind here, reading this through, it does lay out in an order that it it evokes the imagery of a soldier preparing himself for battle by getting dressed in armament. You put on the belt first, then put on that breastplate, you know, that flak jacket, that whatever that's going to cover your major organs and your and it's a, it's well, a protective now, shield. Well, uh, now, to I mean, your point, because I'm thinking about this, the breastplate is not the coat of mail. So it doesn't mention a coat of mail here. Does that mean there isn't one? And this is kind of the point that I think But the lesson does is, bring up the coat of mail, how the, the armor is like chain mail and all this. And I'm like, let's, let's back off on the specifics mm-hmm. of the first century soldier, you know, <laughs> gear, right? I'm just drawing out, okay, you're going to put on your belt, you're going to put on the breastplate, mm-hmm. then you're going to put on your shoes, bend down and tie your shoes on, then you're going to mm-hmm. pick up your shield of faith with one hand and the other hand, you're going to put on the helmet and grab the sword. Mm-hmm. So even as it's written, it's enacting a person putting on, as he already said, the whole armor, he's getting dressed in all the right. stuff. So, Well, maybe <laughs> to your point too, this is not a photo op. Mm. Like I'm getting dressed up and then it's like, okay... Take the picture now. No, you're getting dressed for a specific... Like, this is a person... Why are they even putting on the armor? Because in their mindset, I'm going to battle and I need this. Mm -hmm. And so I I, I would say Paul's emphasis, as much as he's talking about the armor, is because we have a mission. Yes. Versus just put the armor on and get some pictures. Right. And what I I guess what I'm concerned about is like... Instagram or whatever. (laughs) First century Instagram. (laughs) But, you know, we oftentimes hear this when we talk about the sanctuary. When people talk about the sanctuary, like, oh, we're going to talk about the furniture, we're going to talk about the right. dimensions, we're going to talk about the... Right, we the, dissect it. Yeah, the, the, it's like, well, okay, but let's pan out. It's, it's teaching us a big picture of the mission of Jesus, right? Yes. I feel the same way about the armor mm-hmm. of God. We could go through, and for instance, truth is like a belt, and it undergirds yeah. our entire Christian experience. Everything hangs on that. I'm good with that. The righteousness of Christ, for example, is repeatedly seen in Scripture as something we put on as a protective covering, right? Whether it's the Old Testament and Isaiah, mm-hmm. Job talks about it, Zechariah, Matthew. He's got the, the garment that you didn't have on at the wedding feast. How did you get in here, right? It covers everything. Right. The shoe, of course, represents the gospel message and our, our mission to go spread the word. All of these things are wonderful, 
but I wouldn't want to get into a class where, like, you're just talking about the different types of shoes that you could wear, or the what was the shape of the uh, right. the sword back then, or what was the shield? How big was it? What was and it? And then made you of? run out of time before you get a chance to, to actually talk about our calling as Christians, yes. our mission as Christians. Right. And so I really want I would hope that people focus on what's the real life application of being clad in the armor of God and the mission He's given us to do here. Anyway. So again, that helmet of salvation does represent our abiding in Christ, who is our salvation. Mm -hmm. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And repeatedly we see in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy how that cuts through to deceptions of Satan. So the the word cuts through all the miasma, the fog uh, of war, if you will, that Satan tries to distract people with. Mm And it also cuts through every temptation he assails us with. We can say, no, 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 just like Christ in the wilderness, it is written. And he goes through, it is written. So you're stabbing through. That's a great evocative imagery. Um, So let's talk more about what it means in your life to use the sword of truth. To So when when we were working on the Discipleship Handbook, if you do not have the resource, the Discipleship Handbook from mm. the General Conference, you need to get your hands on it. Amen. But uh, in the chapter, it, when it was talking about devotional life, we mm-hmm. challenged people to ask three questions when they read. What? So what? And now what? Mm. And the, the what question is, when you read something, the what question is, what did I just read? Just kind of summarizing it. Mm-hmm. The so what is saying, okay, so what does it have to do with me today? Yes. But the most important question is, now, now what? what? What do I do with it? And I think that's kind of the point you're making is we can go through Sabbath school class and talk about all these. We can talk about what we read. And then, so what does that mean to me? We can even get into that a little bit. But we never get to the application of how am I going to take this and apply it to my life and be a more effective soul winner for Christ. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important. Uh, And I'm just reiterating what I hear you saying about the, you know, in in other words, in our classes, discuss the shield of faith, discuss the shoes, discuss the, make some of these parallels, but don't miss the now what part of the... Exactly. Well, ironically, this is coming at the very end of the book of Ephesians, where he's outlined practical duty, says, finally, brother, get dressed and go. And I think he would be greatly disappointed, Paul, if we spent our whole time at the end of the book just talking about the armament itself, just examining, well, what is this? Yeah. What is this? He's like, no, 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 the point is put it on and go put it to use, right. right? And so he finally makes this appeal at the end. Um, why don't we read verses 18 and 19? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. I should add verse 20. Go ahead. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So at the very end there, he's saying, all right, in light of all that we've talked about Mm -hmm. and the armor he had, he has an appeal to prayer that not Mm. only for yourself that you'll be clad, but now start thinking about other people, lift each other up in prayer, and specifically... He says, pray for me. Mm-hmm. I am in chains. I am bound here. But what is the earnest appeal of his heart? That I may be an ambassador in chains and I may speak boldly right. as I ought to speak. But that I'm not I may... intimidated by these chains, but I continue to be a faithful witness right. for Christ. And the lesson brought up a fun thing that ambassadors usually do wear chains, but they're like decorative and <laughs> ornamental. But Paul is basically almost making a play on words mm-hmm. that I will be an ambassador even in this circumstance. That he closes the book with the imagery of the armament with an appeal to put every one of you individually put on that whole armor Mm -hmm. and then get active. 
Lift each other up in prayer. Pray for me. I want to speak boldly. I want you to speak boldly. We're going to be about this mission until Christ comes. And to maybe pick up on when we started out in the book, we talked about when Paul first went to Ephesus, he didn't stay there long, but he left, and he left Aquila and Priscilla, and then Apollos came through, so he was an advocate of lay ministry. So as we're finishing up here, Mm -hmm. it's very clear that he's prayed for me that I may be bold, but why is he asking us to put on the armor? In other words, mm-hmm. we're not excluded from the mission and we're on the sidelines cheering him on or cheering him in the right. battle. We are part of the battle. Exactly. We're part of the work, every one of us. A hundred percent. So we're all under the under the, the orders of the general of the army of heaven, you know. Right. And Paul's saying, I'm doing my part. I want you to do your part. We need to all be in this together. Pray for each other. Pray that I may not be timid, that I can continue to be bold. But clearly he's he's not even there. That's the reason he was writing a letter mm-hmm. at all. Is because I'm not there, but you can carry on. That's and right. here's what you need to do it. Awesome. So what a, I put in the notes, what a blessing it would be if each soldier of Christ would pray earnestly for the strengthening of our fellow believers and for continued faithfulness and boldness for our church leaders. Mm-hmm. If we individually put on that armor of God and we're about that mission, and then we were lifting each other up in prayer, right. supporting the church and its structure and its leadership, what a, what a radical movement it would be if every layperson was determined, I'm going to be a soldier, I'm going to pray for other people, and I'm going to uplift our leaders so that they can do the job that they're... I believe this this work would get finished far sooner than we're seeing yes, it done indeed, now. Yes, indeed, it would. Anyway. It will. It will. I like that. There's a lot, and, and I'm sure these were in the Ellen White notes, even though I didn't consult with that. I just did an Ellen White search on, mm-hmm. the, on the app and the CD-ROM. CD-ROM, we still say that term? Whatever. <laughs> um, but there are several... Uh, Acts Apostles, page 502. Uh, anyway, but there's one I wanted to bring out in closing today. It's from the General Conference Daily Bulletin of February 22, 1897. And mm-hmm. as she reads this, as she's this is a speech given before the General Conference, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a public address to all the workers, and it's stirring. And, and why don't you read that for us here? She says, we must put the armor on and keep it on. Then what? Fight manfully the battles of the Lord and having done all, stand ready for another conflict. We must not think that we are the generals, but that we are under the mighty general of armies. Oh, let us pray as never before. Let us believe with heart and soul the words of John, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It is a poor time when in the fierce conflict to show one particle of cowardice. Hmm. We have a general who never lost a battle, have faith in God, and we shall gain the victory. Mm. Fantastic stage. Yeah, she. So, I mean, it's almost like a mic drop. She walks off the <laughs> stage. People are like, oh, I want to go to... And that, I think, is what Paul wanted for his his believers, you know, mm-hmm. not his believers, you know, the believers. At the close of this book, to know that Christ is victorious, that we can put on his armor and have that same victory, and we need to press ahead until we see him come Amen. again. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the armor of God Thank you that it was first worn by Christ, that he was successful in his mission, and that now he gives it to us to wear in our battles against Satan. And we know, Jesus, that we can have victory because you've had victory. So please, Lord, give us the faith we need to step out in faith, to pick up the sword of the Spirit and put on the helmet of salvation, be dressed as the warrior that you want us to be, lifting each other up in prayer also as we try to, by your grace, hasten the coming of Jesus. So give us victory and help us to see you soon. For we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.